everybody, this is Jackie's Hand of Horror, and I'm Jackie Naaman Jones, your host. Well, I've got my co-host with me today, Tanya Atomic. Hello. And uh, Rachel Jackson, one of our other co-hosts. Hi there. And Rachel's here especially today because this is a very special show on the subject of Puppets. puppets. Today on our movie trailer review, we're reviewing Puppet Master, a 1989 film. So... What I found interesting watching the trailer is how much older the movie looks. Like, video has gotten so good now that this movie looked to me like it was made in the 70s or something, just film quality-wise. I thought that was funny. That's true. Yeah. So what do you think, Tanya? I thought it was a really good trailer because it was nonstop action. And the um, things that they were saying really got me intrigued. And there were so many, like, WTF moments. Yes. That I was like, I have to see this. This looks crazy. Yeah, I yeah. totally want to watch the movie now. And yeah. that, that is absolutely the sign of a good trailer. What was that line he said? I've um, said, metaphysically, I've killed myself. Yes. <laughs> Metaphys- metaphysically speaking, I've killed myself. Metaphysically speaking, I've killed myself. What does that even mean? I guess we have to watch the movie. Wow. Just- <laughs> well, I, I kind of want to see it. I Actually, even though uh, this... This was made in, what, 2010? No, um, uh, 1989. Oh, 1989. 2010 was when it was posted on YouTube. Oh. Thank you, YouTube. Oh, it took them a while. <laughs> well, I think you should see it. Um, I'm going to go see it. It's very interesting. Yeah. So another thing I liked about this trailer is that you see plenty of puppets. You know, True. a lot of horror movie trailers kind of tease you by not showing you much mm-hmm. of the bad guy. Yes. You see plenty of the bad yeah. guy in this trailer. And the other thing is it doesn't ruin it. Because some movies, the, the imagination is better. True. But for this one, the puppets are so weird. They are so weird. <laughs> so cool. Oh, and they yeah. all have their own different personality. It really lends to actually seeing them and seeing them in action is better. So which puppet do you find the scariest? Leech Woman. Leech Woman. <laughs> Uh, for me, it'd be or the either... grossest. Maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely yeah. the grossest. For me, scariest would be either Leech Woman or Blade. Blade's face. Yeah, because um, yeah. I'm looking at a little picture of it here it's right like now. It's like a skull almost. Yeah, it's so chiseled and creepy looking. Yeah, but what about the guy with the drill head? I actually didn't find him that scary. Oh, yeah. I, I might be afraid to. Well, I just wonder what he's going to do or, with yeah. that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like sharp Legos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the least scary puppet to me was the jester, just because I still have no idea what he does. Like, he, was, he wasn't his, doing anything. No, his, his head, head was. Spins, yeah. Yeah, I guess he makes you dizzy and then you fall into one of the other evil puppets. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm too so, dizzy. So, so yeah, if, if one of you had to attack me, send Jester because I, I have no idea what, what's actually the problem there. So I think in general we're saying that, yeah, watch it. I mean, 
why not? Yeah, this trailer makes us want to watch the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. This is absolutely what it should it's be doing. crazy. Watch the trailer. It's great. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, Puppet Master. I give it five fingers. Well, we just watched a trailer review for Puppet Killer, a brand new film. What do you think? Right off the bat, what I'm liking about this is that it's a Christmas horror film. So I will be able to make my in-laws watch this, which will be very, very fun for me. <laughs> fun for you. Yes. Merry Christmas, Also, Rachel. it has puppets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. What do you, I mean, go yeah. ahead, Tanya. I liked the dark humor aspect of it. I mean, I found it, the little clips were so funny. And the fact that the puppet was kind of muppety and cute, yes. I think, really added a lot. And I think it'll make it. Just that humor, that dark, creepy. Uh, I agree. Yeah, Yeah, the puppet was adorable. (laughs) And uh, the acting was really good. Uh, It was beautiful. Um, Just viewing it. It was filmed very nicely. And um, I liked it. I I thought that there was a lot of humor in it, a lot of poking fun at itself. But it looked to be really well done. I'm... Definitely looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, it has a cabin in the woods sort of vibe. And, and I assume that's very, very much on purpose. Is that, you know, you've lined up that we're going in a van to an isolated yeah. cabin. And here's your stoner. And here's the chick that just wants to chill. And yeah, yeah. it's using common horror tropes to its advantage to add to the humor, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, I, that's what I saw. That it was really uh, intentionally pointed at these things. No mistake. You know, there was some... Uh, probably a lot of very subtle nods to particular films that I'm not even familiar with, but uh, a lot of other people would be. But I think that even if you're not familiar with these other films, that this is a movie you would enjoy. Oh, yeah. I I think it's probably, I mean, you know, hard to say without seeing it, but it seems like it will bring other people in, whether whether they're horror movie trope fans or not. Um, Trigger warning for anyone who goes to puppet camp, um, you know, just... Just uh, have a blankie with you when you're watching this. I think it might might bring up some deep dark feelings. That, oh, um, yeah. Good point. I shouldn't oh. say more about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll get into that uh, or some of these things more on this episode today. We'll see. <laughs> so I know hmm. we have to watch this movie because we're friends with the filmmaker. But how how I would, would we rate it. this? I would definitely see it, especially ah. the the fuzzy, cute, pink. Muppety Puppet Killer <laughs> yeah. already has me. And I think and some of the actors, you know, seem kind of charming and yeah. seems yeah. like a fun watch. Yeah, yeah. The, the lead actor especially, I'm I'm really curious about him. I, he looks like he's got a lot of depth and he's got a lot of inner humor and yeah. um, I'm, I've never seen him before. I, I've never seen any of these actors, so I look forward to seeing what they do and it, uh, definitely gonna see this. Yeah, I actually feel like he's a slightly unusual choice to be the center of the story as far as like physically ah, I would call physically. this type sort of jockey. Um, so it's neat to see that sort of as the person at the center. Um, but I would definitely see this Me even too. if I didn't know the filmmaker. Great. Well, we're all in agreement on that one. Woohoo! Woo! Okay. <laughs> Today on our dark art segment, we're talking to Rachel, and uh, she's going to tell us how to make 
a simple practice puppet. And she's going to tell us a little bit about her business, too, so you get to know who she is. Here you go, Rachel. Cool. So uh, one of the things I do with my um, puppet company, which is Vox Fabuli Puppets, um, which is a name I made up, by the way, um, is I teach classes in puppeteering to adults. And it's actually one of my favorite things I do because I I would like to rid the world of bad puppeteering as much as possible. That's my mission. Um, So one, when people are starting out as puppeteers, um, there are two things that are kind of important. One is that they can see what they're doing. They can see how their hand is moving. Um, And the second thing is that you need to practice, practice, practice. Um, So I created this... um, I don't think I invented it. I think I I saw one somewhere and I figured out how to build my own. Um, It's a practice puppet um, and it's great because it lets you see your hand and is really light so you can take it anywhere. Um, And and you should. should, Once you make one based on these instructions, you should take it out into the world with you. You will make lots and lots of friends or lots and lots of enemies depending on what you do with the puppet. And I'm not responsible for that. So anywho, let's get going. What do you need to make a practice puppet? You need two ping pong balls, any color you like. I usually go with white, um, but there are also the nice glow in the dark ones that, that are worth your consideration. Um, half inch elastic. Um, could you use slightly lar- wider elastic? Absolutely you can if that's what you have. Um, just be careful not to get too wide because if you get wider than your ping pong balls, um, it's gonna look kind of weird. I personally prefer knitted elastic because it's a little softer on your hand. Braided elastic, kind of tough. Um, but again, you know, you do you. You need a hot glue gun and hot glue sticks to go into the hot glue gun. Could you use other glue? You could, but it slows down the process so much. So I, I'd really, really urge you towards hot glue here. Um, felt dots, uh, the sort of things that you put on the underside of lamps so that they don't scratch up your tabletops. Um, these are not required, but they look really cool. Um, and they're easier than trying to make a perfect circle yourself with a marker. It's really hard to do. So just, yeah, get some felt dots. Um, and then optional feathers. Um, they add a little floofiness to your puppet, some motion, some prettiness. Um, they make them all a little different. So uh, I like them. I also have a lot of feathers because I'm a puppeteer. And a puppeteer is another word for craft hoarder, basically. I'm like, I, I know that I live in the city where the production company for hoarders is based. And so I, I live in constant fear of them showing up in my yard. Um, and don't call them on me. I'll, I'll find you. Anywho, so what you do basically is you get your hot glue gun, you know, hot and, and yeah, safety tip, hot glue is hot. Okay, moving along. If, if you are not responsible, have someone, you know, supervise you while you're doing this craft. Plug in your hot glue gun long enough to get it hot um, and you take the two ping pong balls and you stick them together with a little dab of hot glue. Um, hot ping pong balls frequently have little... Um, labels printed on them. Now, if you are super anal, you can get some really fine gauge um, grain, excuse me, fine grain sandpaper and, and sand those off. Or you can just glue them together so that they're hidden on the inside of the puppet. And that's what I personally do. I am not an anal retentive puppet builder, by the way. Um, then what you do is you take your half inch wide elastic and you measure out about six and a quarter inches of this. This is if you're making this for an adult. Um, I don't make these for children. 
I have no idea what size of elastic you need for children. Uh, you know, to try it at home. I assume it would be a little bit less than six and a quarter inches. Um, but yeah, for grown-up hands, cut off six and a quarter inches of your elastic and then make a little loop and glue those the ends of the loop together. Um, again, over, you have to overlap a little bit to do that. Don't get your fingers in the hot glue. It hurts. Um, okay, great. Then you have two ping pong balls stuck together in a highly suggestive fashion, <clears throat> and you have an elastic loop. And what you want to do is glue the loop to the ping pong balls um, against the seam. Use a lot. Be really, really uh, generous with your hot glue here because this is the, the biggest tension point in your finished puppet. And kind of poke the I'm I'm doing hand motions here you can't see those um we poke the elastic loop kind of into the crack between the two balls I have the sense of humor of a 12 year old yes okay once that dries um yeah you put um actually I put the feathers on next personally because I like to do the pupils last so you just um pick a feather or two that you like and glue them to the back of your puppet. And then you put the felt dots on last and those are the pupils. Um, and there you have a very nice, light and adorable practice puppet. I have some sitting out in my car. I should have brought one in to show you, but I guess you'll have to watch my video. Hey, do you find crafting hard to follow if you can't see it? That's okay. I have a video where I go through this exact same process. It's out on my YouTube channel which is Vox Fabuli Puppets. Um, pretty darn easy to find. And anyway, that's how I make a, a practice puppet. Thanks, Rachel. That's great. I, I want to make a practice puppet now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all of this will be in our show notes, too. You'll find the links there to make a puppet. And when you do, please post them on our Facebook page. We would love to see your puppets. So today's interview on Jackie's Hand of Horror podcast is with Mike Senna. And uh, before I introduce him, I just have to say that we've already been through this. At his house last week, we had a really great interview. And it was my, it, this is my very first interview on my podcast. And apparently I missed hitting a button and uh, none of it recorded. So now tonight we're actually sitting in a dark parking lot and we're going to do our interview now. <laughs> um, so Mike, um, just tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, Jackie, I'm honored to be your first uh, guest, first of all. And uh, well, what I do is basically uh, create uh, robots or remote control puppets and puppeteer them uh, for events and kids. You do, but the types of puppets that you do are just, well, today in pop culture, everybody knows what these are. R2-D2. Wally. Wally. And, well, I've got a mouse droid plus a BB-8 as well. BB-8. Oh, wait. Uh, before we go any further, didn't BB-8, wasn't, didn't you do a commercial? Yes. There was a commercial that we did before The Force Awakens came out. And it was for, um... Is it Verizon? No, no. It was for O2. It's a, uh, it's a cellular service in Europe. Oh, okay, okay. And this was when, actually, it was pretty iconic. It was when uh, BB-8 met 
C-3PO and R2-D2 for the first time. Yeah. But yes, my BB-8 was in that commercial. Now that's so cool because, you know, you've been doing this for a while. This isn't your your job. I mean, you have a full-time job. Yeah, and I love that job. I, I program for a biometrics company. We do fingerprint systems for law enforcement. It's so, so rewarding to do that job. Yeah, you. I mean, you do... Uh, we could have a whole interview just on what you do in your job, so I don't want to get too sidetracked, but the things that you do for law enforcement and the things you do for security and for this country, are just, your company is just pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. And then, so how do you have time to do these other things? In your, in your side time, you, you create robots. Yeah, as soon as I get home and I just start on my my uh, true passion. And uh, don't forget these kids and adults. Your job is what makes you money. Your passion, uh, the job uh, makes the, allows you to have your passion and continue your passion. So I work hard at my job so that I have the money and the, uh, you know, resources to create what I really enjoy. That's right because like well we were talking and I had already I had always thought of what you did more like robotics but then it occurred to me what you do is really modern day puppetry and you've said that this is it's a different type of puppetry. Yeah what I didn't realize before is I concentrate on building the the animatronics building I mean, I, I do everything from scratch, uh, some most of it, like for the the Wally, for instance. Um, all that stuff, all the everything that I'm looking at, the movement has to be perfect. The movement has to portray the character. Yeah. And I'm thinking about it on the mechanic side, where it has to move a certain way, it has to move a certain speed. And if it doesn't do that, and if it doesn't look like a living thing, then I redesign. Mm -hmm. And I've done that many times. But um, in the end, you look at it, I look at it as a mechanical thing. Yeah. And then suddenly I realize it's actually a puppeteering thing, which I have to create the mechanics in order to puppeteer the thing properly well because you bring a personality to it there's one thing to create uh, a robot that moves but but to give it that personality that engages people because i mean i was at your house when uh you had wally there and i engaged with him and i i mean you were standing there i know that this thing is not a living, breathing creature, and yet I could not help but be charmed by him. Yeah, and that's how I know I'm successful, actually. Um, I'm in a crowd. Somebody will look for me. They'll find me just because they want to say, usually, like, well, I like, I, I love what you've done here, or something like that. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really the people that, that get engaged. But anyways, they talk to me a little bit, and they're watching Wally. They talk to me a little bit. And I know when I get them, when they start ignoring me and start reacting to Wally. Yeah. So all their attention focuses on Wally. And all the reactions I'm getting are from 
from uh, when I'm puppeteering. So, and, and they completely forget I'm there. Yeah. Well, I have to say there's, there's a lot of people that, that do what you do. Not like a lot of people. I mean, it's a very specific thing, but, um, you have a reputation amongst people that do these things. I've been to a couple of events where I've mentioned my friend, Mike Senna to these people that have their, their robots, their, um, you know, their R2s there. And, and I've actually gotten some, uh, some kind of envious looks like, yeah, we've heard of him. So, um, (laughs) I know, but it's true. And you just got to tell my audience here, what kind of events that you've been able to participate in because of this amazing hobby of yours. Well, first I'm not, I'm not a, about, um, one-upping people are trying to one-up people. Wait, wait, I gotta I'm, stop it. What? Absolutely, I know that. You're one of the most humble people I know, and I see that, that um, if it weren't dark, because we're in a dark car in a parking lot, you'd be blushing, but, yeah. uh, you know, you do have what? a reputation, but tell us about some of these things you've done. Uh, well, we've done, I think the, the maximum biggest thing we've done is is the oscars in 2016 we uh we performed uh r2 on stage uh and it was it was incredible we had a weekend of of oscars rehearsals and backstage and being exposed to all that stuff never in my lifetime would i have guessed that uh we could have gone to such heights and your wife was there with you the whole time. Yes, absolutely. Who's absolutely. here now? Say hi, Amy. Hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it was super fun, and it was. I mean, we've had many, many other high-profile types of events that we've done, and I I think it's due to the puppeteering, and you know, and, and equally the the mechanics, the reliability of the mechanics that. Yeah. That's behind it. Well, that's because of um, your work. I, you know, your your dedication to being precise. I've seen your things. They're they're amazing. I mean, we we had a conversation at your home last week, and I'll be sharing the photographs that we took. But like Wally, people have to understand that was an animated character, and we talked about how you recreated it from an animated film and that's just incredible i mean talking about scale and yeah I, that's a whole other interview it's uh, yeah. the cartoon changes scale uh the the parts and the pieces for instance the the cockroach changes scale when he goes into a twinkie versus when he's following wally around when wally's treads go inside of his body mm. the treads shrink in order to fit into his body so in animation they can do a lot of things or if he's in a different scene they want to look smaller or they want to look larger in another scene so you have to pick your size basically that looks physically good in in the real world and just go with that and then you know uh just make him look and react yeah as as the character would if you were if he was Rico. I just think the whole thing is fascinating and like I said I had not thought of things like this as being 
puppeteering, but I get it. it. It totally is. And then to wrap this up, I just want to say that, that especially in the beginning, you're, and, and now, I mean, always, you're really all about, um, inspiring people and educating kids. You've done a lot of, um, public events like libraries and... Yes, we do a lot of talks at libraries. My thing is follow your passion. Take your passion to the maximum limit that you can. Even if you don't follow it, it's, even if it's a whim or if it's a, if it's a phase in your life, follow that phase, learn as much as you can about it. You may move on to something else. Who cares? Yeah. You're going to learn so much. Pass the knowledge on to the same people that are in just as passionate about what you are passionate in. And what will happen is you'll become the expert in the thing that you're doing. You'll pass that knowledge along. And the people that are just starting to realize their passion in that same subject will feed off of you. And it'll grow and it'll grow and it'll grow. It's, it only becomes good. Share what you know, share, share your knowledge. And that's what I'm all about. And, and that's what I tell the kids to do. Plus the other thing I, I really harp on is the, the failure thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I tell them I've, I've failed many times in, in one design, like say moving Wally's head. So I failed three times, but on the third time, it was uh, the way I wanted it to be. But I didn't let it discourage me. It was like, okay, it's a failure. But you need to say that's a failure and move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Thank you so much, Mike. I This meant so much to me, especially since you were you're willing and able to give me a second shot at this interview. Oh, uh, I call the first one our, our practice or my practice, but I, this went great. And uh, are you sure? I think the first one went better. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I appreciate your time so much. So today on our Ring Finger segment, that's the segment we talk about things that we love. We love them so much that we would do things such as, well, for me, I would collect its hair and keep it under my pillow. I would clone it. And I would cyberstalk. Wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. So today we're going to be talking about giant puppets and I mean giant some of these things are up to 65 feet tall and they're moved by cranes uh, I've seen these on a video before but I didn't realize until we started talking about it that these giant puppet festivals happen all over the world yeah it's very cool I I feel like um, seeing I haven't seen the giant puppets festivals in person um, I don't actually know how I'd feel about that, but I do like the videos of them. Mm -hmm. So at, from a distance, I think they're really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and just beautifully made. They look really interesting. Um, they have intricate moving parts, and they're at this giant scale that just leaves me in awe of like how they're manipulated and um, moved. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, I I first became aware of the giant puppets, but because I'm a puppeteer, people post, post puppet videos on my Facebook page all the time. And right. sometimes it's the same one over and over again. And after <laughs> the fifth time, you're like, yes, I have seen this. But um, these, I always am happy when someone puts one on my wall. Um, and bouncing off something Tanya just said... Um, one of the things I have been most impressed with, because, um, you know, sometimes they get into detail shots. Yes. And one of the puppets, the way they made it walk was there as a whole team of people that would run to the end of something, grab a rope, ride it down, and then go back. And like, wow. it was the way they were manipulating it was just as fascinating yeah. as watching the puppet move itself. And, and more so in some ways, because it's that kind of... Um, hive mind or synchronicity mm -hmm. of it, it is something you see in a lot of smaller puppet manipulations like bunraku um mm -hmm. is a cooperative puppet thing um any puppets that you see on sesame street that are using both of their hands two puppeteers are working them okay um so it, it is a thing that happens in smaller puppets as well and so um the manipulation and the cooperation and the the team um scales up with the size of the puppet which i just find really fascinating and that's one of the things that i find so beautiful about it is that i'm as an artist i appreciate the artwork i mm -hmm. appreciate the beauty the the realism of these things they're elegant and and for something so large to move so smoothly the way they do this but the teamwork involved uh these people like you you said it like a hive mind but mm -hmm. in in the most positive way of people really working together mm -hmm. to create something so extraordinary and beautiful um there's just so many levels of this that I love. Yeah, it's almost like machinery, how it all works together. And sometimes they are moved by machine, like mm -hmm. with cranes and other things. Um, but the people become, you know, machine-like parts as they work them. And it's all smooth. And it's. It, I think that's, for me, that's the most amazing, aside from that they're large pieces, is the... Um, is how everything works together, like machinery. The artistry, they're just yeah. incredible. Now, did you guys happen to see the video of, of the one, th there's one I've heard of where it tells a story throughout the city. Like there are two <gasps> puppets Ooh. moving through the city and and there are just several different locations and they interact with each other and like no. it tells a whole story i haven't wow seen yeah. do you know what country that's in can no. you <laughs> you know but, but we'll we'll find it <laughs> yes. and, and we'll put it in the show notes because yes. i definitely want to see yeah, that absolutely. and um i mean i've seen the ones with the the animals and uh, that one, was that with the one in Switzerland with the giant doll, the girl? Mm -hmm. uh, she was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the way the eyes move, I saw one with the giant horse. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, you know, some of these things are up to 65 feet tall. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... That's very huge. big. Yes, that's that huge. Crazy, huge. Yeah. And and I like what you said about how people they run and then they're using actually their body weight. They're they're actually using physics mm -hmm. to make these things move. And um that's just remarkable to me. I mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how this was off my radar until only maybe two years ago. Right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not sure how long they've been doing it. So so it's hmm. possible this is a newer thing, um, or it's just possible that it, since it's not being done here in the U.S. yet, um, you know, you might if, if it was just over 
in many other countries mm-hmm. who might, you know might not have seen it until right. someone was able to do a video and then distribute it wild, widely maybe and you know wildly. now <laughs> i'm just one of those people i get an idea and then i gotta go check it out now i gotta mm-hmm. check that out i'm i'm yeah. curious how long has this been going on yeah um because you look at at uh, some pretty old things even the time of uh Leonardo, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where there's these things with lots of moving parts right. and mm-hmm. the engineering skills of older um, cultures. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it, at least some form of this has been around for quite some time. Well, puppetry is a ridiculously well, puppet, old exactly, art. I mean, right? like that's, and it's, um, you know, depending on which styles you're following, you, you can find them in like every country in the world has pretty much as far as I'm aware has like a their own um sort of style of puppetry that yeah. like not is unique necessarily but that has been going on for a very 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 long time well you it's think an old 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 art form one of the most famous that nearly everybody's heard of is um Punch and Judy right and how right. many hundreds of years old is that from mm-hmm. England correct right, right. um oh gosh Rachel nerds out here. Hardcore. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't know enough to nerd out too hardcore, but I know that Punch and Judy also um, comes from the, uh, or is related to the Italian um, Commedia dell'arte tradition, which mm. means it's even older. Like, it's, there's several different countries that have kind of their own version of Punch and mm-hmm. Judy. Um, so that's, that's also awesome. Well, we do know that <clears throat> things like dolls and masks right. for storytelling and for interaction have mm-hmm. happened since people have been crafting, basically. Right. So uh, puppets as storytelling mm-hmm. vehicles, definitely. I, I'm I'm very interested, Rachel. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wishing that this podcast today was longer because I actually didn't realize how interested i am in this subject right. <laughs> i love to hear that um but i know specifically there there's some islands where they weave shadow puppets out of grasses shadow puppet that's a whole different yes. type of puppetry whole, whole different type of puppetry and it's um they yeah it's that that has a very very long tradition as well um in a lot of countries so it's it, there are just so many different types we could go on forever and ever well you know i i do see doing some more research after this and fortunately we have our facebook page and so beyond what we have in our show notes for this this episode today I'm pretty sure you're going to be seeing some interesting things on our Facebook page, on our Jackie's Hand of Horror Facebook page, because yeah. uh, there's a lot more to explore on this subject. Right. And heck, I mean, if you guys have giant puppets that you love or hate and want to show them to us, um, you can post it on our Facebook page. I oh, assume. please share. Yeah. Please mm-hmm. share, because we can't find everything ourselves. We need your help. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much. This was great. I really enjoyed this talk today. Cool. Thanks for being here. Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Jackie's Hand of Horror. For links and more information on the fun and sometimes horrible things we discuss, please visit us on Facebook at Jackie's Hand of Horror, and that's Jackie with an E-Y. Thanks again for listening today, and special thanks to the great people who come together to make this podcast possible. 
my co-host Tanya Atomic and Rachel Jackson, and also Greg Talley, Ron McAdams, Natalie Ryan, and the rest of the crew at the Revival League podcast. Join us again on February 22nd when we will be celebrating Women in Horror Month. See you then. Thank you.